Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. This week we celebrate hitting 1,000 weekly listeners. Thank you to all of you listeners. Yay! Woohoo! I found them. (laughs) They're back. (laughs) Oh god, the stupid foil traps everywhere. (laughs) I thought you looked in a mirror. That hurt. I'm sure it did. So apart from being a jerk, how have you been this week, Buck? I'm absolutely fantastic and marvellous. I've got three assignments due within the next 12 days, and I'm averaging at least four hours sleep a night. What's your current blood caffeine percentage? (laughs) Um, My blood caffeine level is actually pretty low, actually. I've been drinking tea more than coffee. Um, Yeah, it's just... More the lack of con- consumption of water as well. I just yeah, forget to drink because I'm working on so much on my assignments. Yeah, and with the uh, the dry weather recently, that's not helping. Yep. It's getting <clears throat> awfully cold. Awfully, awfully cold. Awfully, it? awfully cold. Yes. I started that? getting people giving me dirty looks walking around in shirt and shorts. I was just thinking the exact same thing. I'm, I'm actually sitting here at the moment in just a pair of shorts. Window wide open. You guys not getting the cold, chilled winds? No, we're getting that. We just enjoy it. You gotta remember, we're well insulated. Ah. <laughs> Although, last time I checked, you were very well insulated as well. Was, but change of location, you know. But it's, it's, it's fun. Did you though. move away from the KFC? No, no. I'm trying to find a new place towards the KFC, but no, I couldn't find any. Right. Anyway, uh, on with the show. Speaking of moving on, <laughs> the DJ has our first topic about a famous uh, archaeologist. Yeah, so there is rumours going around that Chris that with um, uh, there's rumours going around that uh, Indiana Jones might get replaced, and Harrison Ford has responded to those rumours by saying, "No one will replace him. No one." Well, does Harrison have the rights to the Indiana Jones character? No, but he's the guy that's like, that made it famous, though. Then his opinion doesn't matter. Because as long as the rights don't belong to him, no one gives a damn what he says. If they think it'll make the money to replace him with some Chris Pratt or uh, whoever the other hot young male actor of the week is, then they... They don't care. They're going to do it to make money. Well, his response was hilarious. He goes, "No one, nobody else is going to be Indiana Jones. Don't you get it? I'm Indiana Jones. When I'm hang gone... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah? I'm looking at the exact same article as you, and it, in nowhere does it say... He aggressively says, in an anal retentive manner, with his tenders being squeezed in a voice, in a vice, nobody else is going to be Indiana Jones? <laughs> Trying to impersonate a man scientist. It actually says he laughed when he said that when he was asked about it on the Today Show. Actually, I was I was putting the alo retentive part, but I didn't put the hey laughed part in. Yeah, but see, you're you're changing the slant of how he was saying it. Ah. He's laughing about it. He doesn't. He he's over it. He's just going. Look, honestly, it's I'm Indiana Jones, and it's just nobody else is really going to be able to do the role because it's not going to work. Yeah. He continues on by saying, don't you get it? I'm Indiana Jones. 
When I'm gone, he's gone. It's easy. This is an easy way to tell Chris Pine this. Pine Pratt. It's easy to mistake to mis to mis um to make him from Harrison's smiling expression. Although um, I let's not pretend that the big movie companies have any artistic integrity at all. No, but the real what because what Walt Harrison Ford saying here, looking at this article, and without having actually seen the interview, it's he's just saying, look, honestly, it just won't work. It won't be the same, and the fans of Indiana Jones won't go with it. It's the same as if you try to replace him as Han Solo. Everyone would just look at you with a raised eyebrow and a quizzical expression, trying to work out what sort of mental condition you've got and what sort of medication you should be on or what drugs you are taking. Because yeah, it just you can't go changing who the character's played by on something like this. He has made that role his. And Steven Spielberg, who does own the rights to it, isn't likely to turn around and make a mistake like that. He's not one of those idiots. Avatar! <coughs> <laughs> um, wasn't that um, Cameron? Yeah, James Cameron. Yeah, yep. it is. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, for, for his next trick, he's going to bite his other bum cheek while swallowing his foot. Hey, why don't you think I'm that flexible? Oh, I don't know. You got your foot in your mouth pretty quick on that one. <laughs> you, you confuse the um, short Jewish guy who's ridiculously talented with the egotistical American who created Avatar. Mm. Okay, okay, Jurassic World. <laughs> um, how much involvement did he have in that? I don't... I, I, Seem to remember it was his company did it, and he, but he stayed clear of it most of the time. Um, I don't know. I was just scrolling through his IMDb page, and it lists the third one as executive producer, but I don't see the other one. Yeah, in other words, he he's his company produ- produced it, and he made money out of it, but he I had get, nothing else to yeah, do with it. He was executive producer for all of them. Wait, yeah. ju- are you talking about Jurassic World? Yeah, um, Jurassic, oh, Jurassic World. Park, which was good. Yeah, Jurassic mm-hmm. World. And he was executive producer on Transformers: Age of Extinction. Yeah, that's just his so company. So it's not like he's never money. made any mistakes. Well, he made money out of it, so he didn't make a mistake. He wasn't the producer and the director. You remember that, like that's all the my movies. Point, he's made money. It's not artistically integral, integral, integral. Blah. Yeah, but can you? It's not. Have you seen he, him give? He doesn't have artistic integrity for these crappy movies like Transformers. Yeah, but he's not going to turn around and sacrifice his babies. Like, you don't see him jumping on the bandwagon of saying they should make a new E.T. the Extraterrestrial or any of these other movies that are franchisable. He's so, not stuffing around with them. So, yeah. Jurassic World, Jurassic Park wasn't his baby? No. He, I, he, I think I saw in one of the interviews, he, he thought it was a great movie, but that was all, was all it was supposed to be. Anything following on from there shouldn't really happen, but he made money out of it anyway because he owned the titles and the rights. Yeah. But um, coming back to the uh, main topic, what do you guys... But then how about... Okay, how about the um, Arnold when he had the Terminator, when he had so many um, body doubles of him, so many replacements for the Terminator? Yeah, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was still in there all the way through up until the point where they had to, when they went back in time and they showed it as... 
the, the prequel part, they actually used the CGI of a young Arnold. Yeah. Only because the amount of makeup and everything you would need to make an old Arnold look that young is insane. Yeah. Actually, the the only Terminator movie that Arnie wasn't in is Terminator <clears throat> Salvation. Which is the one I just indicated, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, that was Genesis. Yeah, Genesis was the one I think that had the CGI. Oh, actually, no. So the guy that's done the uh, in Terminator Salvation, his name is Roland Kickinger. Um, so he was a bodybuilder and actor who previously portrayed the Schwarzenegger in the, C, in the movie C. Arnold Run. His physical body double in the set, and the faces uh, facial likeness was utilized via CGI with the mold of his face in the 1984 scene, and to create the digital backup. So yeah. So in other words, he was a walking, talking mannequin. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of like yourself. Uh, but what do you guys reckon, though? You rec- could you see Chris Pratt and Chris no. Pine as uh, Indiana Jones? I could see them picking Chris Pratt to do it. He wouldn't do a particularly good job, though, because all of his roles in the past few years have been Chris Pratt as generic, funny action guy. Yeah, yeah, that's... Well, that's actually true. I mean, he's, like his big ones were like Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic Park. I just don't... I can't see him being in, the, in that role. He just... It'd be kind of like putting... It, it's the same with all the remakes, like what they what were saying last week with... Um, uh, the Rock and what's his name when they did the remake of Jumanji? Oh yeah, Rock with Kevin Hart and Jack Black and Karen Gillian. Yeah, like Kev, you got Kevin Hart and The Rock going out there and doing the, all their remakes and stuff. And I'm sorry, but it stinks worse worse than a sewage works. Like if you go to a if you go to a sewage treatment plant, it it smells like a bed of roses in comparison to some of the movies that those guys have been doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But hypothetically, who if, if let's say they if they want to bring another Indiana Jones, who would you like to see as Indiana Jones? Besides the Chris's and No, you'd have to get someone that's gonna have the same level of character. It's, and it's gotta be that quiet intensity with that with, with with a small amount of cheekiness, but like Chris Pratt's just uh, overly cheeky, he's just too much, he's not there. So um, and you probably want to find someone who's relatively unknown as well. Hmm. But if you're going to do a relaunch of it, there was the who was the the, the um, young Indiana Jones movies. Oh yeah, those were great. Indiana Jones. They were done by Sean Patrick Flannery, the guy who who plays as Connor McManus in the Boondock Saints. Okay, well there you go. Like he, he he's got the quiet intensity and everything there. He's already been involved with the character, and like let's just take a moment here to look at Sean Patrick Flannery. Apart from having a scar on his chin from a seatbelt accident, he actually looks very similar to as a young Harrison Ford. So if you're going to have anyone take over for a continuation of the movies or a reboot, there's your there's your person. Well, uh, it was it's interesting that you mentioned with the young with um. With Indiana Jones as well, I did re- recall that they were trying to at the time uh, put Shia LaBeouf as um, son of Indiana Jones, uh, make it into a movie series of his own. Yeah, but that was before he came out as a cannibal. No, no one will touch him. <laughs> I think Harrison Ford started drinking about that time. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I, I would like actually that's a good. I would like to see a young Indiana Jones like movie series with him with 
Sean Patrick Flannery as a uh, yeah as Indiana Jones. As you're right, like he he does have that young Harrison Ford look. Thing to consider here though is it couldn't be young Indiana Jones. Like it's or only if they did a reboot. And you got because you got to remember Sean Patrick Flannery is what fifty three. I think it is now fifty three. Yeah, yeah. I the Boondock Saints was back a long time ago. So yeah, but I I I agree with you there in terms of so yeah. Your yeah. Chris Pratt idea is being shot down. But I, 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 yeah, I agree with that. Chris Pratt, as good as a char- as good as an actor he is now, I don't want to see it. Just see him just make it into another traditional hero movie kind of thing with Indiana Jones. Like Indiana Jones, they're they're like they're different from your traditional Marvel movies in terms of there's the good guys win in the end. Like, well, it's not a it's not a Marvel movie. That's the thing. Like it's a, it's different from traditional Marvel movies. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Are we getting sponsorship here? Nope, I'm not. We're still not. Because you keep talking about Marvel. <laughs> but that's where Chris Pratt's famous for. That's where Chris Pratt is famous in. <sighs> what about you, Professor? You got any um? You got any ideas on who should play as Indiana Jones if they ever do a reboot? I've been trying to think of someone, and I can't think of anyone who would suit it. It's like, apart from Sean Patrick Flannery, the only other person that... Like, there's probably a few other people there that if I sat down and thought about it, but you'd want someone like him or Daniel Craig, someone who's not all blowhard, they're their own biggest fan sort of thing, someone who looks at a lot of the media stuff and all the circus and treats it with a certain amount of contempt and disrespect. Because that's what Harrison Ford did. That's what Sean Patrick Flannery does. That's what... Daniel Craig does. He's a crazy, he's a crazy, crazy idea. If it's too crazy, we're going to beat you. Eric Banner. Well, that's not too crazy. He's getting a bit old, though, isn't he? He's 50. I was going to say, he's younger than Sean Patrick Flannery. Okay. I thought he was on that. Yeah. I could see Eric Banner or maybe um, Gerard Butler doing it. No, not Gerard. Not Gerard? <laughs> uh, he's, he's got a certain amount of the, the kismet that He's too too intense. I guess, I think he's right. Is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. But instead of bringing you more terrible movie remakes, we should have robots bringing you stuff. Segway. <laughs> What's your topic about Buck? Um, I I think it's about robots. <laughs> Deliver a, a bipedal a bipedal delivery delivery bot to be exact. Who is? I think they've called him Digit here. I'm just going to try and make sure. I've, yeah, um, Agility Robotics new robot Digit. They really thought long and hard about that name, didn't they? <laughs> like seriously. I wonder how long did the market? How long did the marketing department team took to make up that name? Uh, I don't think it was the marketing department. It would have been the people who built him. The marketing people just have to work with what they're told. <laughs> Isn't this what uh, Boston Dynamics were working on a few years back? They had those videos that uh, that turned into a meme with the like Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Robots um, logos of the... There were bipedal robots carrying boxes and people would walk up and shove them around and hit them with brooms to throw them off and show how they recover. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. That was the... I can find it. It's the MGS. 
Let's... Yeah, it's the Boston Dynamics MGS4 Gecko prototype. And it's just basically guys kicking them and punching them. We kick you and punch you. Nobody's made you a meme yet. Yeah, you see, they only want to save the good-looking <clears throat> robots. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, like, I love the idea. I love the concept. I like the fact that they've actually got it working. And I, it overall, it's, just, it's a great concept. And they've got a great unit here. But it doesn't compete against the parkour bot. I can see gonna... that it folds itself up and can get in and out of cars. <clears throat> yeah, but the parkour bot can run and jump over fences. You, you guys mean the Atlas? I think that's the, that was what it was called, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, like overall, I can see the application that this could be used for. I'm actually writing a paper looking at automated delivery systems and automated warehousing systems at the moment. So Digit could be the person, the, the unit that actually gets out of the driverless van to carry the package to your house. Remember we were talking about the um, self-driving cars with your shopping and your dry cleaning, etc.? Yep. Welcome to the front bumper. So this thing can drive to your house, hop out of the car and carry your box into the door. No, the car drives itself there. When it arrives, he gets a signal telling him to get out of the car, walks around, picks up the appropriate package and carries it up to the door for you. Now I just need one to carry the box from there to the fridge and then to do my cooking and then to bring me the food in my chair. (laughs) At which point we will have a scene from Wally. You just need one of those floating chairs with a <laughs> reality TV program on there telling you to change the colour of your clothes. Nah, I reckon I'll upload myself to the internet before then. I don't know, Sheldon might be there before you. As in Sheldon from Big Bang Theory? Yeah. This um, this design reminds me of um, iRobot with the uh, robot slaves. Or oh, not robot slaves, um, the robot servants. There we go, we can see your bias coming out there, you racist. Calling them slaves. <laughs> and they always blame us white people for, the, for slavery. So what? It came from the East, I'm telling you. <laughs> Let's try not to piss off too many more people tonight. <laughs> hey, I, I had a discussion about that at uni with um, a member of the Brisbane City Council who was saying that slavery and imperialism was a thing of, from the West and driven into the the eastern regions he didn't like it when i pointed out the fact that it was actually the uh, middle east that invaded europe and europe just learned from them and then brought it back a lot better did you say that was a, a council worker no he was a councillor he actually he's oh. a brisbane city council councillor he's an uh, elected official well to be fair there's the problem yeah um there's i he's not exactly my most favorite politician he actually he says a lot of dumb things Maybe you should be running for politics in America where they actually celebrate stupidity. <laughs> okay, so we, we do too. We give you a celebratory egg on the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you see, in America, the bigger the idiot you are, the more money you make. After all, look who they've got in the White House and look at their television programs. They've got so many idiots on re- with reality TV programs making millions of dollars. Yep, Bucky, you really need to new. You really need to go New World Order and. Just um, rant about politics. <laughs> You'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a shout out. We just got penguins and 
<laughs> How many more items to go? Um, See, the thing is, you always blame me, but it's not me. <laughs> okay, so we've got the rants on politics. So we've got the chat, the shout out, and now we need either the penguins or the. So we don't have the politics all the time. That's only occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna if you're gonna start dissing on me, make sure you get your facts straight, fella. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be nasty to you. <laughs> we're not dissing on you. We're just saying we've got the bingo coming up. <laughs> I'll give you a bingo in a minute. <laughs> But getting back to the topic we're supposed to be talking about. Awesome robots. Yes. Um, like uh, a company, Agility Robotics, was founded in 2015 as a spin-off of Oregon State University. So these guys are the evolution of, remember we're talking about um, Stanford Doggo and yeah. that was how that was all a bunch of um, Stanford University students. This is where they're going to be in literally like four or five years they'll be doing something like this i like that it can uh if it finds an obstacle it can radio back to the car to um request further information and then they suggest that the car could then uh request help from other systems Mm -hmm. so i'm just imagining this robot getting stuck and basically screaming help (laughs) and then a swarm of drones flying in to tell it where to go i like that idea can we can we actually have them as killer drones as well? <laughs> well of course. Because um, well, because we did talk about um the armament of drones for warfare. Any drones are killer drones if it's flying fast enough. Yeah, but we actually talked. There was um one of the topics we discussed a few months back was yeah. putting guns onto drones, which they already have been doing, and then um. But I was just thinking we had we're talking about the um abuse of robots before. We could we could see someone attacking this one, trying to push it off balance, and attacking it with a broom handle, like you were saying, with the other one. Uh, and this one sends a message back to the car. He sends a message to the special robotic drone air force. The next thing you see, a couple of drones pop up over the top of the house, and you just see a person being shot. I like, like that idea. Yeah, I could completely get behind that. <laughs> someone parks and double parks. Bunch of drones fly in, take them out. <clears throat> actually, no, because you get big enough drones, they actually just pick the car up and take it away and dump it. Like that uh, that James Bond movie where he goes to Japan. Yes. And they, they hook onto the car with the, the magnet or yep. the helicopter and then tow it out and drop it into the ocean. Yep, but instead of polluting the ocean, we drop it into a recycling plant instead to make more robots and drones. So self-replicating robots... You know how this ends, right? No, no. Hey, come on. I, I like... welcome the incorporation of my weak, fleshy body into the robotic overlords of the future. Yeah, I, I reckon we could make a great um, cybernetic unit each for us. And um, because we're pro-robot, they're going to like us, so they got, they'll, they'll let us stay around. I like the fact that they were talking about... What if Digit was to meet an unexpected article and their uh, responses? It could send an image back to the vehicle and have the image configure a solution. The car could even send that information into the cloud and request help from other systems to enable Digit to navigate, providing multiple levels of assistance that could help keep the robot light and nimble. Are you going to tell them or will I? Hmm? I'm not sure where to start here. That's literally what we were just talking about. 
Oh, no, 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 but I just like the uh, examples of if it's strong wind and blown, have blown the trash cans into the path or a garden ornament. Or maybe if some brainless idiot stands in the way. But there's only one DJ. Really? I was, th- I was thinking we were talking about uh, the professor. Oh, that's a poor comeback. <laughs> yeah. But no you stopped being cool in year three. Look, honestly, um, I love the applications of it. I love the fact that they've got a robot that can actually sit there in the, del- the driveless delivery vehicle. Only pr- concern I have is that it's associated with Ford. And Ford's always break down. Yeah. Well, uh, since we've been discussing our robot overlords, our next topic is how they're going to have enough computing power to fight us. <laughs> AMD's just announced their Ryzen 3000 series. They have a 12-core um, CPU at 4.6 gigahertz for 500 US dollars from the uh, announcement keynote the other day. That's their current top-of-the-line model. Can I just say... Even the chip looks surprised at how <laughs> awesomely cool it is. It is. It's literally that, uh, yeah, surprised emoji. Like, it, you open your PC to, to fix something, and you see that, they, like, I hope that they're going to make those sectors glow somehow. Unfortunately, they'll have a uh, heat spreader over the top. You yeah, know, you when, get, uh, yeah I, know, I know your heat sink and all that, but you got they've got to somehow make it so that there's a clear one so there's a separation there say so that when you open it up that's there looking at you and it's and it's glowing and it's like oh how dare you enter my bedroom <laughs> well diamond is a, a really good heat sink so you just got to get uh, like industrial quantities of diamond blocks and cut them into a radiator shape we can actually grow diamond yeah and because I know they, they grow crystals, and there was also a process where they were treating coal in special high-pressure systems, and I was actually changing it into a diamond. Yeah, there's a couple of different processes they can use. But uh, in this case, the TDP they're advertising is 105 watts, which is, for once, an AMD processor that doesn't get hot enough to make your own diamond. I'm liking this. But is that yeah. with at the overclock stage that it's going to be at? Uh, yeah, because for AMD, the TDP is usually a, a fairly good measure of um, maxed out performance power consumption. Okay, because I remember having a um, system that some friends and I actually really, really pushed to the maximum with overclocking. And we actually had to have the sides taken off and fans blowing, like actual like desk, desktop fans blowing on it to keep it cool enough that it didn't crash. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to uh, these chips coming out and getting proper benchmarks done because mm. AMD's claiming that Cinebench benchmarks the uh, 3900X, which is the 12 core chip, mm-hmm. and the Intel 9920X, I believe. Uh, the 3900X has a 15% improvement on single-thread performance and a 6% improvement on multi-thread performance and draws 60 fewer watts. So I'm trying not to get hyped, but I'm hyped. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Yeah, I, 
I I was a massive fan of AMD for a long time, but then they um had that little faux pas for a, a while there, and yes, um, I'm still running a bulldozer chip. Ah, uh, like FX eight three fifty. It's yeah, not great. Like if if AMD can come back to where they used to be, because the thing is, AMD was for the gamers and the overclockers and all that sort of stuff. Many a LAN session wouldn't have happened without AMD allowing people to overclock their computers to ridiculous performance level. I'm excited because if AMD can keep this up, then it's going to push Intel back into being competitive again. Yes, so they actually have to produce something worthwhile. Yeah, Intel's barely pushed for the past decade or so because they know they can get by with only a couple of percent each year. And now AMD's had this breakthrough with Ryzen, and Intel's just got to catch up. But the thing is, um, AMD is when they come out with something that, and they they make a song and dance and say this is really going to be breaking the mold. They generally tend to do a pretty impressive job of it, and they put a a much better financial position on it. Yep. So, like, when you look at the cost of the latest i9, you're looking at 800 or more dollars. This is only going to be $500. So, yeah. the, um, I just looked it up, and TechCrunch is saying that it's half the price of the 9920X for a significant performance improvement. Mm-hmm. Although, actually, I've just been scouting through here. Intel has announced the 90... Were you saying the KS, the i9? Uh, no, the 9920X. I did see the KS the other day, which is basically just a um, a current-gen chip that they've specifically picked out to be good for overclocking. Yeah, because they're saying here that it's supposed to be able to go to 5 gigahertz. Yeah, which is going to melt everything. Like, well. physically melt. Your computer will be running out of the cracks in the case. I was just, I was just thinking, like, how how bad is the liquid cooling system going to be on that? Well, okay, would you? Okay, how about comparing that Ryzen to the Intel um, Core i nine ninety nine hundred K eight core LGA three point six gigahertz processor? That's what we just did. Yeah. Oh, okay, because you were talking about. I thought you were talking about something else, but. Okay, so it's the same process. That's, yeah, that's that's the Intel not um eight core ninety nine KS. Oh, okay, I've got ninety nine K. Yeah, so okay. when they produce um, CPUs and really any kind of processor, they start off with a huge sheet of silicon ah, okay. and build uh, dozens of processors on this one giant sheet. Then mm-hmm. they chop it up and test it and throw away the ones that don't work. And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of the time the chip that you get in a low-end processor is identical to the high-end processor, but some of the cores failed during testing. Yeah. So they just um, turned them off and listed as a low-end processor. Mm-hmm. So the KS is the highest of the highest, the ones that they, they're guaranteeing that they will run overclock to 5 gigahertz instead of having to buy a regular one and hoping you get lucky. But that's weird though with the, uh, I'm looking at the article that Buck has provided their boost frequency is pretty low, um, comparing the Ryzen 9 
Playing 900x to the KS, it's pretty differential. Yeah, the KS is pushing to 5 gigahertz. Yeah, that's... Um, the Ryzen is only pushing to 4.6. Yeah. That extra 0.4 gigahertz is a massive milestone. Like, we're, 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 we're talking about being excited about getting up to 5 gigahertz. I remember when, like, it was what? <sighs> almost 20 years ago now, and we're getting excited about hitting 3.2 gigahertz. Yeah. Like, people were having parties at the, for, for their computers hitting that sort of benchmark. I feel like the past few years have been focusing on core count instead of single core performance and high frequencies. Yeah, which remember... Which is a bit problematic because nobody programs to take advantage of high core count chips Mm. And it's yeah. also like they're not w- focusing on the bandwidth and all that, like so the m- amount of data flow on the actual main boards or motherboards or whatever you want to call it these days. Um, the amount of like there's, you can have the most amazing chip, but if you're not providing all the rest of the fac- like f- facilities within the process and system for it to really actually take advantage of it it's like trying to put a um, formula one race car into a um, go-kart race it's just not going to be able to hit its performance because of the track it's on and also with um processes the higher you push the uh frequency the higher you have to push the voltage to keep it stable mm-hmm. and that causes uh like most processes are fairly optimized that the step at the level they sell them at but the higher you push it the more power it draws like buck was saying he had to uh take the sides off and put big fans in and the um you start drawing more power and using more well generating more heat so it gets harder to keep it cool which means you can use it at max frequency for less time mm-hmm. so you like this. really want to try to get it stable at a level you can cool it at which is why this 105 TDP is great, yeah. since the uh, Intel chips are 160 TDP. And the one question I'm going to be asking is, what ga- uh, what video engine cards are going to be supporting the Ryzen's now with that uh, with the amount of power? Doesn't matter, because these are CPUs. They're yeah. completely unrelated. Even though, even when it's overclocked, though, with because I know GB, because yeah. I know some some um like your nvidia's like the um 1080 ti's for example you would get like a couple of overclocking the ones with overclocks and stuff wouldn't you yeah but that's your your graphics card is different to your cpu you're looking at the graphics processing unit and they receive a bonus of performance like the advancement in the cpu technology flows over into the gpu but the, gra- the, the CPU is what makes the computer work. Yeah, GPUs but... have been optimized for doing very specific tasks over and over again very quickly. So you can program to run on a GPU, but you're going to be missing a lot of um, features you can do on a CPU. So the, everyone needs a CPU to do all the basic stuff, but you can't optimize it as well as you can optimize a GPU. Because you don't know what's going to be running on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, and the, well, like the the timing of this report is very interesting as well because we're going close to E three 
and man, so many games will be cut, might be releasing their specs. Yeah, wow. there's nothing unusual about it. Like this is the time for you release this sort of stuff. This is you. You have all your um, tragic nerds like the professor and myself will be. Like, if we're looking at an upgrade, this is the time we we start looking at doing it. Yeah, definitely. Because. You were saying earlier when, your computer's seven years old, weren't you, Buck? Yeah. Like, if I had the money, like, like this is, like, I would have been looking at a lot of the market area at the moment and looking at what's been happening for the last couple of years and working out a system and then getting the latest stuff and looking at what the performance benchmarks are and then working out, okay, that's the chip I want, that's the board I want, that's the graphics cards, that's the all the bits and pieces, and then. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you custom build your system like that, with some of these, like with that, with this i9, I would be having to look at the idea of putting in a water cooling system and possibly having it run with um, liquid nitrogen because I'm, I'm scared of what sort of temperatures this thing would be producing. Yeah. Yeah, like the TDP is 165 watts. The TDP of my FX8350 is known for being a ridiculously hot and inefficient chip mm-hmm. is only 125 watts. Yeah. So, so the fact that this is coming out now, it's no surprise. It's It happens the same time every year. You have your tech releases and expos happen now. The other reason why that happens is tax time. Oh. So companies will buy new, like you'll have this stuff coming out just before the end of the financial year. So companies will buy it. The private, sec- the private market for personal users will get their tax returns and go buy this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking so, of uh, ridiculous TDPs though, I just uh, pulled up the AMD spec sheet for the FX8350, mm-hmm. and under related products, it lists the 9590, with a, uh, which hits 5 gigahertz. That one came out three years ago or something now. Yeah. It's an 8-core that hits 5 gigahertz at uh, boost and has a 220-watt T. Ooh. Get that. Get this gets hot dogs as it is. I couldn't with that. Get, go and get the um, hot dogs and sausages. You can, you can <laughs> cook those things. <laughs> Oh, you you laugh, but like when I was saying about the system where we had to have the sides off, like you couldn't hold your hand inside the box for the case. Even with the sides off and the fans blowing, you couldn't actually reach inside and go near the heatsink. We actually had to cut it right back because of the simple fact that it was actually starting to glow. Wow. Like we, we pushed that thing to the maximum. I, I have no idea how you didn't crash the power station for your entire town. Oh, man. We, we we were doing some really crazy stuff and we had some guys there who were insanely talented. 
and I even I don't know how they actually managed to get it to that level, but they were they were writing code on the fly and doing certain stuff in the background. Um, we actually had a, a screwdriver put it into the side to tweak some of the bits and pieces and adjust the the pressure of the screws. Oh yeah, um, I know for the uh, AMD Threadripper CPUs for servers and stuff, there's mm. uh, it comes with a, a torque um, torque wrench okay. that twists in the screw to the exact right uh, pressure because yeah. if you get your mounting pressure wrong, it's a big deal for these chips. Yeah, well that was like see that's the thing like th- with these things, p- people who do this they will do they will work out every single tiny little piece so to the torque pressure on the screws holding your cpu in place if it's at a specific point you get the optimum performance if you have it so that you have a specific glue it has to be a certain amount of glue that holds the heat sink in and it has to be spread in a certain pattern that sort of stuff like yeah i haven't looked for a while but there used to be websites that they would literally have threads of conversation where people were doing different things to optimize it, and there was there would there would be competitions to see who could get the highest um, benchmarking. Yeah, I've seen like crazy stuff like pouring liquid nitrogen in through a funnel on the top. Yeah, well, that's what I was just saying. Like I, with the i nine, I'm I'm concerned that if you took that and we're running it at the five gig or higher you would actually have to have a liquid cooling system that's running liquid nitrogen, which you don't have to worry about the frequencies of the radiation and so forth because that could actually pop something out of place and then your whole computer system either freezes or melts or explodes. And you get condensation all over your board, which isn't great for it. No. But, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm geeking out here, sorry. <laughs> so uh, since we're geeking about computers... Buck, what have you been playing on your shitty old computer that you're going to replace with a beautiful new <laughs> AMD Ryzen 9? Please sponsor us. <laughs> I, if they can sponsor us, I do need a new system, yes. I've been playing Deceit. Have they uh, run any more events like uh, the Halloween event we played last year? No, it's still basically the same. Um, no new maps or anything like that, so... We're coming around towards Halloween again, so maybe there'll be something coming up this year. Yeah, that's getting scarily close. Where is the year gone? Uh, it happens as you get older. <laughs> what about you, DJ? What have you been playing on your absolutely rubbish computer, which I know about because you're asking me to help you upgrade it? It's not that rubbish. Oh, come on. You can play games. But um, well, I've just been playing... Play. <laughs> I've just been playing... Um... Apex Legends on my um, PS4. See, uh, if you got a beautiful new AMD Ryzen, you could play that on your computer. Oh, I know, right? I know. <laughs> but yeah, am I, um, am I fanboying a bit too strong here? Yes, you no, are. No, no, no. <laughs> um, oh come I, on, honestly, let's be continue. honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hang on. He's nowhere near you with Marvel. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for one episode, not for the last sixty-five or whatever we're up to. <laughs> no, this is seventy, I think. Sixty-nine. We'll have to we'll have to, have to turn around now and go the other way. <laughs> but um, no, seriously, keep going because 
Maybe we will get sponsorship. Nerds Amalgamated brought to you by AMD. I like the sound of that. I do too. And we could we could actually make the DJ have the same surprise expression on his face. A couple of nine volt batteries, a bit of wire. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> May Catapult, here we come. Yep. <laughs> now how do we get um how do we get the Ryzen nine turned into the new shock Pikachu me? <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to lessen it by associating it with Pikachu? <laughs> but yeah, nothing nothing huge has been coming out lately. It's just a couple of patches and yeah, just power balancing patches, that's all. But there are there are some news about season two of um Apex Legends coming out in E three, so we might get some new content, hopefully. Are there has there been a new um uh, legend yet? No, not that we know of. Well, besides Octane, nothing's nothing hey, lately. Didn't they add the guy who is it Octane who throws down the jump pad? Yep, that's Octane. Oh, yeah. And I've still been playing the uh, classic roguelite Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead. I'm starting to get actually good at it. Recently, I survived for almost a full twenty-four hours. Did you forget to eat? No, I um I went out looking to find someone's dog that had gone missing. I found the dog, but then a zombie saw the dog and tore it to shreds in front of me. So I ran away because there was nothing I could do for the dog then. Uh And I started looting some houses, fought a couple more zombies, broke both my legs, and then couldn't crawl fast enough to get away when the next zombie arrived. Well, because you left the dog, you deserve to suffer. So basically another episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah, only not shit. Well, I agree with Buck. You do. You did deserve to suffer for the dog. Well, I tried to be a hero, which our yeah, first shout out is about a real life. Hero. <laughs> On it the, is. Uh, what? I was just saying, it is. It's about an amazing hero. Yeah. On the twenty seventh of May this year, Kirsty Bowden was posthumously awarded the Florence Nightingale Medal by the Red Cross for her heroism during the twenty eleven month. Sorry, 2017 London terror attacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, these are the famous London Bridge attacks, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I say famous, but famous implies good, so infamous. Um, on the 28th of May 1972, a team of plumbers broke into the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C. for the first time, bugging the telephones of staffers. This was noticed by a man named Forrest Gump, who reported <laughs> it to the police and started the Watergate scandal. No, no, it was he, he reported it to the um, people at the desk because they yeah the, pe- the people across the way can't uh, can't turn the lights on. They're trying to find the fuse box. <laughs> I like how we're rewriting history at the same time. That's what Forrest Gump was about. I know, I know. But... Literally, just shove Forrest into every historical event for the past thirty years. <laughs> but when you did, it made them be- made them better. Yeah. <laughs> and like when we were discussing this the other day, I said he's not stupid. Like, come off it. He was massively rich. He met what was it? Three presidents. I think so. Yeah. Um, he didn't have to pay for his college education. He was a war hero. Was well, he was a war hero. He got paid to travel around. He went, went, did the, he was 
the first real proper backpacker because let's, when he did the running man thing, that was literally what, what he wore was what he had. And then because he didn't have to work, he he decided he'd mow his high school's lawns and on a ride on lawnmower. Like, I wouldn't mind riding a ride on lawnmower just as something to do because I'm so rich. So you're the guy who keeps all the lawns mowing in apocalypse movies. <laughs> I, I would be happy to do that. Because uh, if, if you think about it, in an apocalypse movie, there's usually zombies or other people you got to kill. So oh. I'd be, be tweaking up that lawnmower so it's got a blade at the front and the sides to protect me. I'd be mowing the lawn and the bad guys. You want to wear a face shield, though, because if that gets in your mouth, it tastes nasty. Ooh, yeah. I, I'd be getting one with an air-conditioned cab. So you, you've only just given a little bit of thought. I've actually have thought about that. <laughs> and, like the kill dozer by the lawnmower. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and uh, let's not forget Forrest Gump was the was one also the guy that uh, challenged the Chinese in a game of in a, in a good game. Ping pong. Well, I did say he got paid to travel. Yeah. And he met he met John Lennon and Elvis. influenced him. He 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 influenced um, John Lennon to write a, a massive song. He taught Elvis how to dance. Like. And he inspired a war veteran to live life to the fullest despite his disability. With his magic legs. And he was a friend to people with HIV. And he had a son who was very smart. Are we going to compare notes on what he's done throughout this entire movie? <laughs> no. No, let's just right. watch it. Well, the next <laughs> shout-out is about someone who could possibly be even smarter than Forrest Gump. Alistair Kerr is a... Queensland, well, University of the Sunshine Coast student who just graduated on the 28th of May with a um, Bachelor of Science and the a perfect grade point average. That is quite impressive. Yeah. He, had, he attained an IT degree in 1999 and he loved math so much that he went back to uni and completed his perfect grade point degree. And now he wants to go and do an honours course to in science, presumably so he can go and drag it out and get more perfect grade point averages. Mm-hmm. Did you, actually, did you look at what his um, honours research aspect is going to be? Yes, it's the Longitudinal Adolescent Brain Study, a five-year project looking at factors relevant to youth mental health. Yep, got to say, and he's also been doing mentoring with... Um, Indigenous and troubled youths, mentoring and tutoring. And he's a fan of sci-fi, as if we didn't need another reason to appreciate him. <laughs> oh, uh, on to the remembrances. Our first remembrance is quite a sad one, especially if you've come to listen to us from everywhere. No, sorry, from Flu from Papa. On the 26th of May this year, Caleb the police dog from the Queensland Police Service uh, passed away after five years in the service. He lived at home with his handler, Sergeant Trevor O'Neill, and uh, Trevor has said that he is absolutely devastated by the loss of his dog, partner, and mate. Mm-hmm. Sad part about this was the fact that that actually just succeeded in, in the latest apprehension of the suspect when he collapsed. Yes, they'd, uh, they'd captured a fugitive... And at 2.45 a.m., he stumbled and lay down while returning to the Dog Squad video. He became unconscious and passed away. On the 28th of May, 1843, 
Uh, we have Noah Webster, the American lexicographer, textbook pioneer, English language spelling reformer. This is the guy we blame for the Americans being unable to spell. Political <laughs> writer, editor, and prolific author. He's called the father of American scholarship and education, and he uh, developed the Webster Dictionary. The first dictionary he published was in 1806 and called A Compendous Dictionary of the English Language. He was also influential in establishing the Copyright Act of 1831. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, um. I don't know why, it's just one of those little tidbits that gets locked into your brain. But I remember that, um, unless it's changed recently, I don't think it has, because of the extension of the copyright period, the most recent Webster dictionary you can get on Project Gutenberg is Webster 1913. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. It makes no sense. I told Mrs. Otters to Gutenheim Bible. <laughs> so our next remembrance on the 28th of May 1998 Phil Hartman the Canadian American actor comedian screenwriter and graphic artist passed away he mm-hmm. garnered fame in 1986 when he joined the sketch comedy show Saturday Night Live he won fame for his impressions particularly of Bill Clinton and was on the show for 8 seasons he was known as the glue for his ability to hold the show together and help other cast members he Won a Primetime Emmy Award for SNL in 1989, voiced various roles on The Simpsons, and was in a house guest, Sergeant Bilko, Jingle All the Way, Small Soldiers, and the English dub of Kiki's Delivery Service. He died of homicide at 49 in Encino, Los Angeles, California. I think uh, he was considered for Futurama before he died as well. And Zab Brannigan is a uh, callback to him. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, for famous birthdays, we have the 27th of May, 1992, Sir Christopher Lee, English actor, singer, and author. With a career spanning nearly 70 years, he was famous for portraying villains, particularly Count Dracula, in the Hammer Horror films, which uh, he lamented for being typecast, Francisco Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun, Sarah Mann in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, Count Dooku in Star Wars. He was uh, noted as an act of his deep and strong voice. And he's also known for his singing ability, recording various opera and musical, and writing symphonic metal albums about Charlemagne. Charlemagne? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charlemagne. Char- uh, Charlemagne, okay. From here, I thought, I thought you said Charlemagne. Char- Charlemagne? No, no. Stop thinking about your belly. It's not Charlemagne. <laughs> Yep, he uh, was awarded the Spirit of Metal Award at the 2010 Metal Hammer Golden Gods Award Ceremony. That's a wordy title. He was born in Belgravia, London. Little side note here. There's actually research I was reading the other day that shows that listening to heavy metal is actually the best way of improving your mood instead of listening to pop music and all of that because of the simple fact that you can't listen to heavy metal and be sad. (laughs) <laughs> now I'm trying to think if I've heard any particularly depressing heavy metal. Well, I suppose if um, Justin Bieber tried to do it, it'd probably end up that way. Now I'm imagining a screamo cover of Baby. Oh, no. Oh, actually, hang on. Uh-oh. Please, no. Please, no. No, 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 no. Bucky, no. no I, got, I, got, I got something that will um, make you swear. 
Oh no. <laughs> well, we're waiting. Our next birthday for this week is the 27th of May, 1971. Paul Bettany, known for Jarvis and Vision from the Marvel movies, he first came to the attention of mainstream audiences in the British film Gangster Number no. One and the film A Knight's Tale, which is an absolute classic with uh, Heath Ledger as the lead role. Oh yes, definitely. It's gone on to appear in a wide variety of films, including A Beautiful Mind, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, any other movies. He was born in London. Mm-hmm. And Buck has just found that link for us, so let's see how horrified I am. Oh no. Oh, it's a metal cover of Let It Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... it's, epic, it's epic metal, not heavy metal. Uh, on the 28th of May, 1524, Salim II, also known as uh, Sari Salim. No, is that just that on my screen? No, it's not. Okay. The font's really confusing, uh, which means Sari Salim means Salim the Blonde. He was also known as Saho Salim, Salim the Drunk. He was the uh, Sultan of the Ottoman Empire from 1860. Sorry? 1566. I am not doing well with numbers tonight. He's <laughs> definitely 1574. He was the son of Suleiman the Magnificent and his wife, Hiram Sultan. The 1911 Encyclopedia Britannica article on him remarks that he was the first sultan entirely devoid of military virtue and willing to abandon all power to his ministers, provided he were left free to pursue his orgies and debauchery. Bit of a party guy. <laughs> He was born in Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> I love the um, picture they've got of him. His hat, his, his turban, or, or whatever it is he's got on his head, is almost as big as his belly. That's a great <laughs> I Could you imagine the amount of silk that would have had to have gone into that thing? Yeah, do you reckon it's like hidden up, or does he have to wrap it each morning? Oh, no, you, it has to be wrapped fresh. Yeah, yeah. If it, if it's a proper turban, you wrap it fresh and by in, yourself as well. <laughs> in in his case, it's probably just a hat that he puts on, and he probably wouldn't wrap it himself. He'd have slaves, not robot slaves though. No, it was before <laughs> robots. Oh no, no, no! Remember we uh, I covered that that spoke about automatons. Um, oh yes, yeah. They had they had them back then apparently. Well, it was a, a Turkish invention. The um... The first automatic chess machine, wasn't it? Yeah, but even going back before then, they like going back to the ancient Greeks and so forth. They had um, the automaton in the the Antigone thing. Yeah, like the, when you look at Uly- is it Ulysses' voyage and so forth. Oh yeah, I vaguely remember what you're talking about. Yeah, um, if you go back a few episodes number of episodes that we, we spoke about a, a book and it had about all that sort of stuff, which I've still got to get a hold of a copy of. Nobody bought from me for my birthday. Anyway, something to yep. get hold of and reading the um, break over mid-year. Well, for our next birthday this week, we have the 28th of May, 1908, Ian Fleming, the English author, journalist, and naval intelligence officer, who is best known for writing James Bond, while he worked in the Naval Intelligence Division during the Second World War, he was involved in planning Operation GoldenEye and in the planning and oversight of two intelligence units, 30 Assault Unit and T-Force. His service in 
journalism provided the background, detail, and depth of the James Bond novels. He wrote the first Bond novel, Casino Royale, in 1952, with three print runs being commissioned to cope with demand. He wrote 11 other Bond novels and two collections of short stories between 1953 and 1966. They are among the best-selling series of fictional books of all time, having sold over 100 million copies worldwide. He also wrote the children's story Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and two works of non-fiction. I completely didn't know that he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang until I read the show notes. Didn't you? No, it's uh, oh. so completely divorced from James Bond that I made no connection. But you got a car that turns into a boat and flies and does all these other different gadget things that James Bond's famous for. Yeah, true. The thing that I find interesting is the fact they've only listed him for two works of nonfiction. But if you, but all the others are probably suppressed. Yeah, he probably read a whole bunch of reports about what they were doing. Also, a lot of plans of how can we go and destroy the Germans? Yeah. In 2008, the Times ranked him as 14th on the list of the top 50 greatest British writers since 1945. And there have been 26 Bond films portrayed by seven actors. Fleming was born in Green Street, London. A bit closer to home on the 28th of May 1968. Kylie Minogue, the Australian-British singer, songwriter, and actress. Um, She achieved recognition starring in Neighbours, where she played Charlene Robinson. She was in the series for two years, married Scott Robinson, played by Jason Donovan, in an episode viewed by nearly 20 million people in the UK, making it one of the most-watched Australian TV episodes ever. Back then, we didn't even have 20 million people. (laughs) I never Fun. have seen the appeal to neighbours here, though. It's definitely one of those um, things Her- that is more popular over there than here. Yeah, I remember going over to England to visit relatives on holiday, and um, my cousins and everyone all loved neighbours, and they were saying, oh, can you tell us what happens next? <laughs> and my brother and I were sitting there and just looking at each other like, what? <laughs> Well, and my brother listed out a whole yeah. lot of different things, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, so and so dies, oh this happens, and all this <laughs> other stuff." And my, later on, my mum was like, "I didn't know you watched Neighbours," and he goes, "I don't." How? She, she was like, "How do you know that all that stuff?" And he goes, I "Just made it up." <laughs> yeah. If, um, imagine if they if they're listening to it to the to this episode right now. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they figured out that we made it that it was all made up. <laughs> considering the yeah. fact that like none of it would have come true or that would have been freaky if it all did come true <laughs> well uh, Kylie has also become a famous singer uh, performing with Nick Cave on the album Murder Ballads mm-hmm. and she is uh, known as the Princess of Pop and is recognised as the highest selling Australian artist of all time by the Australian Recording Industry Association she was born in Melbourne, Victoria She's also uh, one of the few Australians to have a role in Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Because they were running out of British actors, considering there's only about six of them over there. It's the same actors, Doctor Who, Downton Abbey, Harry Potter, all the same actors. And uh, for the next birthday, the 31st of May, 1683, Jean-Pierre Christen, the French physicist, mathematician, astronomer, and musician, was born in Lyon. 
his proposal 1743 to reverse Celsius thermometer scale, which started from with water boiling at, 100, at zero degrees and ice melting at 100 degrees, so that zero would be the freezing point and 100 would be the boiling point, was widely accepted and is still in use today, and is the only correct method of measuring the temperature unless you're using Kelvin. But get that through your heads, you crazy Fahrenheit people. But doesn't Kelvin find it kind of uncomfortable when you use him to take the temperature of stuff? Yeah, but he's accurate. Yeah, but I don't know. How, how hygienic is it to, when you use him to take your temperature? Like, I'm sorry. He's paid but, well. He doesn't complain. Well, he may not complain, but I, I feel very sorry for the person who has to use a Kelvin thermometer to take a rectal temperature reading. <laughs> So uh, Jean-Pierre Christen was a founding member of the Académie des Sciences Belles Lettres et Arts de Lyon and served as his permanent secretary from 1713 until 1755. His thermometer was known in France before the revolution as the thermometer of Lyon. One of these thermometers is kept in the Science Museum in London and the DJ has just buggered off on us. Mm-hmm. Now sounds um, like they're onto his hiding place again, and they're kicking him out of the out of the, the cupboard. Yeah, and um, just a little correction on your pronunciation there. It's Lyon, not Lyon. Okay, because that's French. You got to you got to have that weird accent thing going, you know. Bonjour, bonjour. The, any French who's listening to this is so gonna slap me. Oh, I'm worried about my accent getting me slapped. I don't know what's going to happen to you. They probably look at you in disgust and walk away in a huff. You're not even worthy of a slap. <laughs> so for this week, we have the events of interest. Uh, on the 28th of May, 1959, the monkeys Abel and Baker zoomed 300 miles or 500 kilometers into space on a Jupiter missile, becoming the first animals retrieved from a space mission. And uh, on the 28th of May, 1961, the last trip from Paris to Bucharest on the Orient Express before it shut down, mm-hmm. which is a shame. There's, uh, it's not nearly as romantic to have a murder on the Ipswich line. No, although I don't know if they've actually have they had a murder on the Ipswich line. I mean, I've had a fourteen-year-old threaten to set me on fire. Yeah, but that happens every other week, doesn't it? Pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. I think I might need to just move quietly away from this before we get in trouble. Ipswich doesn't like people picking on them. On the uh, 29th of May, 1953, Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzig Norgay became the first people to be confirmed to reach the summit of Mount Everest on Tenzig Norgay's adopted 39th birthday. Now, I say that they're the first confirmed summiters because several years before, uh, Mallory and Irvine had a attempt, and though they've only found, I think it's Irvine's body, mm. he doesn't have the photo that he promised he would leave on the summit. So there's some debate about whether he actually made it to the summit and died on the way back down. Well, with global warming and all the ice melting on the, t- the top there, they're recovering all the different bodies. Maybe they'll recover his photo. Yes, maybe. Though by now it's probably halfway to, I don't know, Peru. Maybe he burnt the photo to keep himself warm. Yeah. And uh, so so this week there's been, well, in the last 10 days or so, there's been is it 11 deaths on Everest, I think. It's uh, definitely not becoming any safer. But yeah, I, I don't know. I can understand wanting to go to a remote location and just get away from everyone, but 
<coughs> climbing up the side of the mountain just to be able to say you did it, especially well, with the amount of especially with the amount of garbage and pollution that people were leaving behind, it was ridiculous. You're not even getting away from people. Have you seen the queue for the summit? Yeah, but they like they restrict the number of people who are allowed allowed to go there. And part of the reason for that is the fact that um, the amount of garbage left there at one point was so staggeringly huge that a fire broke out in amongst the the, gar- the waste in the, the in what had just become a tip on the side of it, and it took I can't remember how long it, it was burning for a couple of years or something from memory I heard. So um, it's like you got the um, the giant garbage chips outside um, Delhi, I think it is, in India, where they've actually got villages with people living in there and it's always constantly on fire. They had something similar to that in at the bottom of uh, Mount Everest and all the people who lived there were suffering from it. So yeah. it's the, the restricted access because you had all these people that were just coming in and just destroying the environment. And they're also just being rude, arrogant tourists to the locals who live there so um, i've noticed in the article we've sourced for the uh, events of interest this week it mentions that mallory and irvine tried to climb the northeast ridge in 1934 and mm-hmm. when they reached the top hillary said that he looked around to see if they had made it but couldn't find any evidence and a few years later some crazy british guy decided or was it a few years before uh, a crazy british guy got really into this whole spirituality and was like, you don't need to eat to live. I'm going to prove how healthy I am by flying a plane to Nepal, crashing it onto the side of Mount Everest, and then climbing the rest of the way with no mountaineering experience and no flight experience. Well, we'll just talk about crazy tourists and littering and pollution. Yeah. The only good part about it is the fact he would have turned himself into fertilizer. I think he even tried climbing in winter. And no one ever saw him again. Thank goodness. Um, You know, the Japanese were actually planning on building a um, resort on the side of Mount Everest. Insane. And the biggest kibosh on the idea was the fact that because of the location, you wouldn't like to get there. You would have either had to have been carried on the backs of Sherpas or flying a helicopter. Yeah. A a helicopter couldn't hit the altitude to be able to get there safely. Yeah, even base camp's pretty rough for hikers and helpers. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, like, cause it wasn't actually on Mount Everest, but it was, like, in, I was on one of the mountains overlooking, like, looking onto Mount Everest. Yeah. And they had it all planned out, but there was no way they were going to be able to get people there because the Sherpas weren't going to carry, like, give a piggyback to a bunch of lazy so-and-sos. And they couldn't use a chairlift because of the fact that with the temperatures, the cables didn't last. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, great books about Everest. I um, went on a bit of a kick about it recently, and I read both John Krakur's Into Thin Air and Anatoly Bukhrev's The Climb, which are um, contrasting accounts of their climb on Everest in 1996, mm-hmm. which is the year of the famous disaster, where uh, a bunch of climbers from two climbing parties got stuck on the mountain during a storm. Okay. The only thing I can say about climbing Mount Everest is it will be one heck of a view. Yep. But there's a reason why the fact that very, very few people actually live in those that region, and it's because of the simple fact that it's pretty harsh to live in, 
and it's so beautiful because there's so few people. Yeah, they're uh, making a big deal about cleaning up at the moment. But anyway, we should uh, move on to our final shout-out for the week. On the 29th of May, 1999, the Space Shuttle Discovery completed the first stocking with the <clears> International <throat> Space Station, which uh, back then would have only been a couple of modules. Nowhere near the uh, comparatively large space station you think of these days. Yeah, because it was actually... It was a, actually it was a completely different international space station. They've actually got built a new one since then. Um, really, I thought they were still using the same core. Um, I thought it had changed. It was a different one. Um, I mean, there was Skylab and Mer, maybe yeah. a couple of others. I think I think I think it was um, Skylab was the one that they had back then, wasn't it? Yeah, that wasn't an international station. It was just American, and they deorbited it after, like, a year because they messed up the orbit. Okay. Okay. I apologize if I'm mistaken. I thought that was what they'd... <clears throat> Although, when I look up Skylab, it's only giving me the 1973 version. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. No, there was um, another one they actually had. was, uh, was There was a Skylab. They actually, actually had to merge it with Mer at one point, but then they had to get jettisoned part of it because of the fact that it was falling apart. Okay, I uh, can't say I have ever heard of that, but um, anyway, the that's all we have for this week. You can check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, or iTunes, or the that's not canon.com website, along with all of our other podcast family. Mm-hmm. Uh, send us an email at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com, tweet at us at uh, and n- amalgamated on Twitter if you're at a twit, or, we have one. Yeah, we have one. Our Twitter manages our Twitter page. Or just check out our Facebook page where we share other news that doesn't make it into the podcast. Yep, and if something, if, if you want more information for what we've been discussing and you're on, say, Spotify, who doesn't actually put all the hyperlinks that we have as part of our show notes, we do have them available via the Facebook page. Yep, so that's uh, everything for this week. Stay hydrated and take care of yourself, and we'll see you next week. And the penguins say hooroo. They do. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.